This is the part two of our sermon that we started last week. Some of you were here. Hopefully, many of you are here. We were, we're talking about our vision. We're spending two weeks just looking at where God has called us as a church. Where are we going? What's our future look like? What's our, the journey ahead of us? And we have spent a lot of time thinking about this. We've been praying about this, dialoguing. And so this vision is what we believe God has put ahead of us for us to follow and seek Him. We talked about the first part last week. We're going to talk about the second part today. So let me just read the vision for us and remind us what we have been looking at. And then we'll go on from there. But it says this, Our vision is to seek God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Therefore, as Christ's ambassadors, we will strive for kingdom impact in Anaheim, especially towards the lost and vulnerable, modeling empathy, compassion, and forgiveness inside and outside the church as we grow in God's love and respond in faith. So the first part is what we talked about last week. It's the, the what, where, and who. What are we after? What are we looking for? We want to seek the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven, right? We want to make a kingdom impact. We talked about being pink spoon people, right, from Baskin-Robbins. When you get a little sample, you get a sample of that ice cream. We're, we're giving people a taste of what heaven looks like, what, what God's rule looks like, his love, right? That's what we want to do. Where? We want to do that in Anaheim, right? Our church is right here. We want to be a blessing in this neighborhood, in this community. We want to be a light, be a pillar. Now, of course, it goes without saying, and we talked about it, we want you to be that in your community. We represent 21 cities that I know of here in our church. We live in 21 cities, so we want you to do that as well in your own individual cities and where you work. But for us as a church, corporately, we want to make that impact here in Anaheim. Who? To the lost, to the vulnerable. We want to minister to the people that some of the culture just kind of looks past as unseen. We want to minister to them. We want to bless them. We, we want to go to them. We don't want to just to say, hey, the doors are open. You come to us when you need us. No, we want to go out to them and love them. Okay, so that's kind of the, what we talked about last week, some of the what, the where, and the who. Today, I want to talk about the how. How is this going to happen? How are we going to do this? Because that's big, like kingdom impact in the city of Anaheim to show them the kingdom of God. That's big. How, how can we do that? It's going to happen when our lives are transformed, when our lives are transformed by the gospel. It's going to happen if we become more and more like Jesus. As I look at what an ambassador is, what is an ambassador? An ambassador is one who is transforming little by little, sometimes quick, often slow, little by little from inside out to become more like Jesus. It's not, we're not focused on the externals. Right? Those are the easy things, right? We could just say, uh, checklist. Did you go to church this week? Great. Uh, are you in a small group? Great. Did you serve somewhere? Great. That's external. And anybody can do that. That there's a lot of great social clubs in the city that are here to take care of the city and help the city, and, and they can do that. What makes us any different? It's the internal heart. It's a heart that is changed by the gospel, a heart that's transforming. 
We're looking for people to, to receive Christ, people that get connected into this church, into this community, so that their lives are changed. There's true internal change, that we are becoming more and more like Christ so that we can accomplish the mission to introduce people to Jesus. So we can accomplish that, that vision to see the kingdom of God established here on earth. So it's going to happen with internal change. So it's all through transformation. Not just going through the motions, not like looking like a good Christian, but seriously being changed by the Holy Spirit deep within us. And that will take time, but it takes time and intention. But as we do that, we believe that our vision will be accomplished. So let's, let's kind of talk about what this looks like. What does this internal change look like? We have a lot of words in here. The first ones that we see here is that we want to model empathy, compassion, and forgiveness. Okay, we could probably do a sermon on each one of those words, right? But we're going to try to just summarize what we're talking about. We want to be empathetic people. Okay, what is that? It means that we enter into each other's lives. We enter into each other's issues, into our, our suffering, into our confusions, into our doubts. It's, it's coming alongside of somebody with where they're struggling and walking with them. We didn't put the word sympathy, and the reason for that is because you guys know how to do sympathy, right? That we can do, All right? Sympathy is just saying, hey, I feel you. All right, I know that hurts. No, that really sucks. That's tough. That's what you see on Facebook. When anybody posts something on Facebook about some issues going on, we see a lot of sympathetic uh, comments, which is fine, which is totally fine. We know how to do that. What we're doing is saying we're, we're pushing ourselves to go a little deeper, to, to come alongside of each other when we're struggling and saying, how can we help each other? How can we come alongside and be with each other through this? I, when I was looking at, like, how does Jesus show this? Does Jesus show empathy? I mean, the word is not always in there. Compassion is in, we'll get to that in a minute. But, uh, but does he, like, show that empathy ever? Does he just come alongside and sit with people? And, and I was, as I was reading some of the Gospels this week, I see that time and time again. I, I can't go over all of them, but I remember one of them is... Uh, the story in Mark chapter 7, verse 31, when Jesus is, he's around the Sea of Galilee, and some people bring this man to Jesus. They bring him, and he, he's deaf, and he has a hard time speaking. He could probably say some words, but very hard to understand and very limited vocabulary. But his friends are advocating for him, and they bring him to Jesus and say, Jesus, will you heal him? And what Jesus does something, it's you almost don't even notice it. But it says that he took them aside, away from the crowd. He didn't do it right in front of the crowd. He didn't say, hey, everybody, take pictures, video this, or whatever. He took them aside, away from the crowd, and looked at him. And then he did two things that are totally like uh, things we wouldn't do post-COVID. Okay, this is, gets really weird. But he puts his fingers in his ears. Like, that's crazy. I mean, when you think about it, that's weird. But look how close it is, how empathetic he is with him. He can't hear, and he puts his fingers in his ears. And then he does something even more bizarre to me. He says he spits, and he touches his tongue, touches his tongue. 
I don't know what all that looked like. I don't know how that all went down. But do you see that the intimacy? He sits with him. He sees where he's at. He enters his struggle. Then he looks to heaven with a deep sigh. And then he says, be opened. The man's ears are open. He can hear and he begins to talk. So it's just a beautiful story. If I, he could have just in front of the crowd, and he did this sometimes, I'm sure, just in front of the crowd, just, yeah, you're healed or, you know, whatever. But he took him aside and he entered into his struggle. And he came back and he says, don't tell people about this, right? You don't need to post about this and, and tell the world. This is just, you know, this empathetic moment with this one person who doesn't even have a name. But you see Christ's empathy. And then we see it throughout the scriptures, right? Paul talks a lot about it too. In, in, in 2 Corinthians, right at the beginning of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he jumps into it and he says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. It says that God allows us to go through some troubles so he can comfort us so that then we can comfort other people around us. And I see this happen in the church. Right? See this, when, when we first came to the church, everybody was young and there's a lot of these little kids, right? Remember that? And we were like, I don't know how to raise kids. And people, uh, some of the older people came along and says, I, let me help you. Let me walk with you. And now our kids are a little grown up, and now our parents are getting older. And we're saying, how do we help our parents who are struggling in their older age? Or sometimes they, they, they're dying, and, and we were able to come alongside and say, I've been there. I can help you. I'll be with you. We have to push ourselves that way. Some of us, we do this naturally. Some, some we're growing at it. But as we look at who we want to be as a church, we're looking at Christ. And what did Christ do? What were some of the examples he gave us? And we see this the picture of empathy, of being with people in their time of need. What's it look like an ambassador? Can I be honest? We don't always do this well. We don't always do this well. We're, we're, we're very respectful. Okay, we're kind of private. Right? We like that. We don't want to bother people. And we feel like our issues are just going to bother people. And they're going to be annoyed at it. But honestly, that, that's not the case. We don't do this well. We need to push ourselves to open up our lives to our, the people around us. And say, here's where I'm struggling. Here's where I need help. Can you sit with me? Can you just enter into this moment and be with me? We need to push ourselves with that. I want to see us grow in those areas. Partly how we offer empathy, but how we let people into our lives to be empathetic with us. All right? Paul tells us we have to carry each other's burdens, but how do we carry each other's burdens if we don't ever share it? Right? We have some pride right? that we don't always we want to show ourselves like we are, we are put together. But I love what our elders shared, saying that we are growing in that. We're not all there. So let's stop faking it, and let's start to be open and honest. Not with everybody, I get it, but there's people in our lives that are in our small groups, there's people that we, that we know that we can pull back 
part of our life and share what God is doing so they can help carry our burdens. Okay, so we want to model empathy. We also want to model compassion, right? Compassion is kind of that same thing as empathy, but with, a, with a, that added action of how I can help them. What can I do to tangibly care for them? So when, as I kind of thought about it, we could probably just take out empathy altogether and just say compassion because it carries that idea of empathy plus action. But I think it's good. I think it's good for us to put both of them in there so that we know what we're talking about. We want to be empathetic people. We want to enter into the, each other's burdens, right? But we want to help, too. We want to help in these times. There's things that we can do, whether it's, it's just advocating for somebody or providing finances or meals. We do that great, right? We want to look at how we can do that and help meet these needs, right? Because this is the heart of God. God is a compassionate God. We see verses like Psalm 86 that say, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger. You hear that? Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And in Lamentations 3, 22, it says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, right? Because he's slow to anger. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So God's heart is one of compassion. And Jesus models that too. All throughout the Gospels, we see so many times he has compassion on people. To the man with leprosy who came and says, Lord, you can heal me. Jesus says, and he had compassion, and he touched him. He touched the man with leprosy, the man who's never been touched since he's had leprosy this whole time. But Jesus touches him and says, I am willing. And be healed, and he heals him. He has the empathy, but he goes and heals him. Or uh, to the crowds that were hungry, right? They had been following him. He says he had compassion on them, and he fed them. Or the crowds that were following him who, who were sick, he had compassion, and he healed them. Or to the towns, remember he's walking through the towns and he enters this town and he says, these people are struggling. And he had compassion on them. And what does he say? They're like sheep without a shepherd. Right? Where'd their shepherds go? Their shepherds were the religious leaders of the day. Their shepherds were supposed to take care of them, but the shepherds left them. The shepherds were saying to the sheep, you got to serve us. The sheep serve, serve the shepherds. Instead of the shepherds serving the sheep. Then Jesus saw that. He had compassion. And so what did he do? He says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out workers. So God is answering that even now, today, as missionaries are going out around the world, in churches, with you, as you shepherd the people under your care. You're answering this. It's a part of our compassion As we shepherd the people around us, whether they're in your family or they're your friends or people in the church, we're answering that call of compassion that moved Jesus' heart. Remember also when, when, uh, when Jesus was asked, what are the two greatest commandments? And what did he say? He said, love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? And then what was the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. And when he was asked questions on that, what does that look like? He gave a story of compassion. He says there was a man who was traveling. He was beat up. 
Everybody walked by him. They didn't care for him, but there was one man, the Samaritan. He's the enemy. He's the stranger. He's the one that should walk by, but he stops. He cares for him. He says, who is the neighbor? The one who shows compassion. You see, when Jesus is given an example of what it looks like to love God and to love the neighbor, he uses compassion. So we, as following God, if we are going to reach our mission to impact, kingdom impact in this world, we've got to be moved. We've got to let the Holy Spirit work in our hearts to bring about that empathy, to bring about that compassion. Also, he talks about to bring about forgiveness. Forgiveness. We know about forgiveness spiritually, right? When we talk about what God has done and how he's forgiven us. He has removed our sins. He's forgiven us from our sins, from our trespasses. And he's given us the righteousness of Christ. So we know it in that sense. But what about in the sense of in interpersonal relationships inside the church? Uh, here's a definition. It's probably not a good one, probably too long, but hopefully it helps. It says, forgiveness is an intentional and gracious act of pardoning someone for the offenses or wrongdoings, demonstrating the love and mercy that Christians believe they have received from God through Christ. It involves letting go of anger and resentment, but fostering reconciliation, offering a path to healing and to restoration. You see that, like, in the church, we will be offended, and we will offend people. It's going to happen. Right? It happens in families. It happens everywhere, and the church is not an exemption from that. It will happen. Right? I will do it to you, I'm sure. Right? If I haven't already, I will offend you somehow. I mean, I know that I want to be like, I want to know everything. I want to be able to do everything. I want to be everywhere. But I, I know I can't. I can't do it. I can't meet all the expectations. And nor can you meet mine. There will be uh, some frustration in the church. And some people, how do they handle that? They said, well, then I'm not going to find a new church. I'm going to go somewhere else. Or I'm just going to disconnect. Or I'm just going to be resentful. I'm going to avoid that person. None of those answers really work here. They're not going to work. We have to be people who move towards each other, not away. We have to be people that move towards one another, not avoid each other. That will only happen if we practice forgiveness. A couple of verses that stand out. What, what did Jesus say about forgiveness? In Matthew 6, in that Sermon on the Mount, he says, if you, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Okay, good. But then he says, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you of your sins. Oh, okay, that, that changes things. I want to be forgiven. So what does that require? It means that I forgive other people. In Ephesians 4, Paul says, he says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. So we see in these two verses that forgiveness, of our forgiveness with God is closely associated with our forgiveness towards one another. Now I know there's so many nuances to this. 
and there's, there's some, uh, some serious issues. If you, when we really look at, there's some significant pain. And forgiveness is, is not something we just simply just, you know, forgive and forget kind of thing. I know there's some nuances to this. But in general, in general, we've got to be people that seek forgiveness and reconciliation. That try to work things out to come closer to each other. Because if we keep splintering, if we keep dividing, we're not going to accomplish our mission. There's no way. But to be able to look towards one another and say, I know you're trying. <laughs> I know you're trying. I'm trying to. Let's, let's try together. And let's come closer. Using these words, will you forgive me? Yes, I forgive you. Will you forgive me? Yes. Be people that move towards one another. So where is this happening? Where is this empathy, compassion, and forgiveness happening? We want it in two places. Inside the church, and if you remember on our missions, our vision statement, outside the church. Right, to do it internally, but to do it out externally too. That is a big deal. All right, that's a big deal. And I honestly, to be completely honest, I don't know how we're going to do that. I don't know what that looks like in our community. But we got to start here, moving towards each other, practicing that empathy, compassion, loving one another. And as we do that, I think it will come. I think it will come and we'll naturally be able to do it out in our community. But this is some of the heart change that has to happen within us. What else? Love and faith. The modus operandi of everything we do. All right, what's our MO? What's our kind of preferred way of doing things? Two words, love and faith. Love and faith. That's going to be our motivation as we go forward. So the MO, growing in faith. So what's that? You saw that in, this, in the vision statement, right? As we grow in God's love and respond in faith. That's the last line. As we grow, not when we grow or after we're done growing, but as we grow, right? This is going to be worked out throughout our lives, throughout our time here in our church. As we grow in God's love, over this last year, we spent a lot of time talking about God's love, especially in, when we were studying 1 John. We spent a lot of time in there, and throughout that, you can't read 1 John without being captivated by God's love. There's so many verses that talk about God's love and how he pursues us. But 1 John 4, 19, we love because God first loved us. I want us to memorize that one. That's an easy one. It's a short one. But I would love for all of us to memorize that and have that in the forefront of our minds. Why we do anything? Why do we go out and serve? Because he first loved us. We play in the worship team. Why do we do this? Because we're so talented and we're that good and we want to show off? No. And I know nobody says that. But we do that because he first loved us. Why do we teach Sunday school? Serve with the youth. Why do we make coffee and serve donuts? Because he first loved us. And I want to love other people. Through the little things. But through the big things. What's our motivation it's because of God's love. And this is the story of the gospel, right? The whole gospel is wrapped up in this. That God created this world. He created the world and he created us 
to be under His care, to be under His, his rule, His authority, His lordship. But we rebelled. We said, we want to take care of ourselves. We want to serve ourselves. We want to be kings. And that is sin. And that separated us from God. The wages of sin is death. Right? Death is separation, eternal separation. We call that hell. So how do we come back? God could have said, well, they sinned against me. That's it. I'm done. But what pers- why did he pursue this? Why did he pursue this relationship with us? Because of love. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in, in what way? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Out of love, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be our sacrifice, to die for us. So that when we in faith say, will you take my sins? He takes our sins, nails on the cross, and gives us his righteousness, his royal robes. And we go from being an enemy to a child of God. Why? Because he first loved us. It's the gospel that, that brought us into salvation, that keeps us in salvation. I want us to keep reminding this. This phrase, why do we do anything here at church? Why do we greet someone? Why do we go up to a stranger and welcome them to our church? Because he first loved us. That's going to be part of our MO as we move forward. The other part is responding in faith. We're going to grow in love. We're going to respond in faith. There's this uh, small book in the Old Testament, Habakkuk. And he's a prophet, and in here he is complaining about the wickedness that's going on in the world. He says, everybody's wicked, right? How can we make sense of this world? And, and in chapter 2, God responds, and he says, yeah, I know that there's people with inflated egos, that there's no integrity, that people are drunk, and people are arrogant. Does that remind you of any time in our culture? Yeah. He says, I know that there are people like that, but here's how I want you to live. He says, the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. Paul, when he picks up, when he starts his book in Romans, the very beginning, he's talking about the same thing. There are people that have exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they've gone down this terrible hole. Just, they're, there's wicked. And what's he say in verse 17? The righteous one, though, will live by faith. We see it in Hebrews. It says, don't go on uh, being saved and then keep sinning. Why? Because the righteous live by faith. In Galatians, don't live by rules and the law. No, instead, the righteous will live by faith. We will live by faith, not by sight. And it is easy for us to live by sight. It's hard for us to live by faith. What's it mean to live by faith? It means, one, to trust the Lord, to really trust, to say, Lord, you are good, and you are trustworthy, and I know that I can trust you with my life. Whatever comes, even if it's suffering or discomfort, I can trust you, that you will see me through it. But it also means to let go of fear. We... Our culture and us in the church, we live by fear, don't we? 
There's so much to be afraid of in this world. For ourselves and for our kids, for our families, we, we're run by that. And so then we put on our armor to protect us. We're walking around with this heavy armor on all the time, trying to protect us. And I'll tell you, like, armor's good if you're in Middle Earth fighting against orcs or dragons or whatever. It's good if you're back a few centuries and there's swords and clubs and jousting and all that. We don't need it here today. Now, Jesus does say, or Paul says, to put on the armor of God to fight the devil, right? But this is our armor. We don't have to put on our armor to protect ourselves from each other. People that are in Christ that we love. And so why do we come to church looking like knights of the Templar, wearing this armor and shields and all that? We don't need that. Because there's love here. Because we're going to walk by faith. Now, let me be just real clear. Just saying that I, there, is, I, there is evil in this world. And sometimes the evil comes into the church, right? There's sh- uh, wolves in sheep clothing, right? We know that. That's why we have a safety security team. That's why we have two teachers in every, every kid classroom. Why we have cameras and all that kind of stuff. We're, we understand. We're not naive. But in a general sense, just general sense. That those who are here, who are striving to walk with Christ, striving to know Him, they're people that that we can love. And we can step out in faith. Be empathetic. Show compassion. Show love. Walk with them through life. Now, what would it look like if we did this? What would it look like if we trust the Lord, if we walked with faith here at the church? I think some of us, we'd get more involved. Uh, some of us, maybe we're, we have fear of being in a small group. Like, I don't know these people. I don't want to share my life with them. And so we just make a lot of convenient excuses. But if we just said, I'm going to walk in faith. I'm going to trust, Lord, that you have something good for me. That there's people here that I get to know. We might get more involved in small groups. Uh, maybe in service. Right? Serving in different places. We, we have fear to use our gifts, uh, to, to, to take new leadership positions, to be a small group leader, or to, to lead a ministry, to work with women's and men's ministry, or uh, anything like this. We're, we are fearful. Who am I? I'm so inadequate. But if we said, I'm not going to live by fear, I'm not going to walk by sight, I'm going to live by faith, what might that do in how we get involved? Like, I know we're busy. I know we have a lot going on. I get that. Well, I'm not, I'm not asking so much that. I'm asking, are we, are we being captive by fear, by lack of trust? And that's a question I want you to ask. How, Lord, how can I let go of those fearful things and walk in faith in the church, in my life, as I follow you, as I love you, as I serve you. All of this is internal stuff. It's heart transformation. We want to see a church of people, you and me, become more and more like Christ. We know it will take time, right? It, it's, it's a slow process. 
but how can we give him more of our heart? How can we give each other more of our heart? And as we do that, I believe, as we are motivated by love, as we respond in faith, as we grow in our empathy and our compassion and forgiveness, I think we're going to be able to make a kingdom impact. Not just in Anaheim, but far beyond. And I think as we make that kingdom impact, that's when we're showing this world that there's the kingdom of God that is here, that is available. Here's a taste of what it looks like to be loved by our God. Enter into this relationship. To me, that's what an ambassador looks like. So, as we go forward, we're capturing this vision. Just asking for God to work in our hearts so that we can do this. It's not going to happen just externally. It's only going to happen when our hearts are changed, when we open up our hearts to grow in love, respond in faith. So let me challenge you. Let me invite you. Are you up for this? Do you want this? Do we want to move forward? outside this church walls, making kingdom impact. I do. I want this. I want this for our church. I want to see what it looks like three years, five years from now, and how Ambassador Church can really be a pillar and a, a light in this community. It's not going to just happen with me or our staff or our elders or our small group leaders. It's going to happen with all of us. Enter into this and say, we're in. Start with me, Lord. Work in my heart. To me, it's not a journey. This is a joy. It's exciting. We get to partner with the Lord. We get to partner with our King who has called us to this. I hope that you see this uh, with joy. Is it daunting? Is it like, how are we going to do this? Yeah, of course it is. That's why faith is needed. But let's see what God does. Let's see how he answers this. Amen?